Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back to the Believe in Badger Football Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, presented by BetOnline.ag. Once again, I'm Matt Perkins, joined as always by the Hebrew Hammer himself, Matt Bernstein. Matty, uh, good to see you in Madison. Yeah, man, I'm stoked for hopefully what I think will be a much better game than we've seen. And dude, it feels great to be back in Madison. Yeah, absolutely. And we are joined today by former Badgers and Buffalo Bills offensive lineman Craig Urbic. Craig, thank you so much for uh, spending a little time with us here today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course, of course. As you guys know, we are in fact presented by betonline.ag. The football season is in full swing on the gridiron. And as always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use the promo code NFL100 when you do. BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Well, let's get right into it. So... You grew up in Hudson, Wisconsin, right? Yeah. I was actually originally born in Chicago and uh, moved to Wisconsin when I was like 10 or 11. And then, uh, yeah, I grew up in Hudson, became a Badger fan right away. That's awesome. There seem to be a lot of guys from Hudson who played <laughs> offensive line at Wisconsin. I know Vanden Heuvel did. Um, there are yeah. a couple other guys. What is in the water up there? I don't know. I mean, we had uh, me and Eric and then uh, two years before us, Joe Thomas's wife, Annie, she played basketball there and she's, you know, six, two, six, three. And then, uh, Cade McDowell, he's on the team right now. So, uh, had some good, you know, good success so far. It's that, it's that water supply. It's right in the St. Croix river. So it must be uh, <laughs> something in the St. Croix river. I think. <laughs> Listen, Herbs, you're also no other NFL team to Maddie P but besides the bills. Yeah. Yeah. I was yeah okay. Dolphins too, but <laughs> no, those teams matter. don't matter. Yeah. No, they don't yeah. matter. They, they don't matter. Stop they don't literally. matter in the least. The only thing that matters to me is the bills. I like, you know, I, I I'm one of the very few people who has like the Buffalo bills, Wisconsin Badgers crossover, um, yeah. as the only two sports teams I care about. So yeah, we have a few, me, Lee Evans, uh, Paul Hubbard. Yeah. A few guys. Yeah. Well, they, they, yeah, there, there's a couple. Jim, Jimmy Leonard played there for a while. Jimmy, yeah, for a little bit. Yeah, I forgot about that. So, no, that, that good time. So, did you always want to be a Badger? Like, once you started realizing that, like, football was going to be the path for you, did you always want to be a Badger? Were there other schools in the process that interested you? Yeah, I didn't I didn't start playing football until I was in high school. You know, I played a little bit, uh, like, eighth grade, middle school. But uh, freshman year, my friend got me interested, and I started playing. All of a sudden, I started, like, oh, I'm, you know, pretty decent. And then, uh, you know, attention started coming and I never thought that would ever be an option for me is playing football or getting a scholarship. And, you know, right away being in Wisconsin, that was kind of the thing is like everyone's Badgers and some more Gopher fans because how close we were to the Twin Cities. But, you know, I knew right away going into it, getting out and getting interest from Northwestern, Minnesota, all that. And as soon as the Badgers, you know, offered me, it basically committed, I think, two or three week, weeks later in March, my junior year. Wait, that's so cool. So what was that? What, what was your high school career like? Like, were you the biggest guy in the field? 
Yeah. Oh yeah. I was, uh, me and, uh, Eric wasn't, when I was a junior, Eric was still playing, uh, freshman or, or JV, whatever it was. Um, but from what I was told, I remember when I got there from my uh, high school coaches said that because the year before me, they had Joe Thomas, um, uh, Andrew Weiniger, Danny Kay, Marcus Coleman. They, they had like five or six alignment. Apparently they weren't going to offer a single alignment in, in my class. And then, um, I started doing really well. I had, apparently there was this one play we were playing uh, superior my junior year. And I, we had a screen pass and I was stride for stride with a running back the whole time, knocked down like three or four guys. And apparently from what the coaches said that they they had to offer me like right there. So after the, after my junior season, they offered me. And then, you know, like I said, from there on, end, it was just, you know, committed and I was all about the Badgers from then on out. It's amazing that, that, you had to have that play for them to, to, to see the, the potential. And then for what you did moving forward, like it's nuts that that happened. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was crazy. And then my senior year, it was me, me and Eric were on opposite ends of each other. Eric Van Hoeville. And then for like the last two games in a playoff game, we got, we were, I was right guard and he was right tackle. And it's kind of funny how that worked out. That's how we were for the Badgers too. So it's kind of funny how I played so much, ball with him, you know, my senior year and basically sophomore, junior, senior year of my uh, time at Wisconsin. So uh, it was fun having him on the team. Yeah, man, that, that is so cool. I we played no, Andy Crooks too. My uh, senior year, we played Andy Crooks when uh, he was a middle linebacker for Wausau East. And uh, oh yeah, we put up a beat on Don and them for sure. <laughs> Do you have a, like a, a, an interesting like uh, rivalry with a bunch of guys in Wisconsin? Not really. No. Um, I don't know. No, not really. It's, uh, you know, I gave Andy a bunch of crap, you know, my freshman, our freshman year on how we uh, put a beat down on them for sure. But there wasn't really anything like that. No. All right. Cause, cause Crooks and Zalewski will double team me in New York football stuff. I mean, I, as you were the biggest guy in the field, I was the biggest guy yeah. coming back. So, <laughs> yeah. the, the amount of crap that those two have shoveled my way yeah. is amazing. And I have no, I know nothing about Wausau West or East. They had some good players. I mean, even back then, like early 2000s, Wisconsin football was, they had some, there were some good teams, but I think nowadays you see there's a lot more teams throughout Wisconsin that have, you know, bigger players, faster players, getting a lot more offers. There's, you know, my 2004, my senior year, you know, I had a Wisconsin offer, a couple other guys, you know, Crooks, but there weren't guys getting Notre Dame offers, Ohio State offers, Michigan offers like they are now. And there's so many guys getting so many different offers from other big tanks because the talent level is going up so much in, in in Wisconsin. Yeah, one of the amazing things you, you look at like when Wisconsin plays Iowa, Iowa has like a dozen guys, 15 guys from the state of Wisconsin on their roster. And Wisconsin has like one or two guys from the state of Iowa on yeah, their roster. Yeah. And, and this happens with a lot of big 10 teams, obviously like Northwestern, Illinois, Minnesota, and especially down at like the group of five level. Like, I feel like Northern Illinois, like has like 20 kids from, from the state of Wisconsin. Oh yeah. They have a lot of kids. Yeah. And that was the case when I was playing too, you know, it was, they had a lot of kids from Southern Wisconsin go to Northern Illinois. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about, you know, your Badger career. What was your transition like for you going from high school to college? What was the hardest part about, that transition for you? Was it the mental part, the physical part or something else? I think it was more the physical, you know, mental, you know, we weren't too complicated on offense. We ran power basically and had, you know, a few play action plays and stuff like that, but it was more physical. You know, the guys you're going against day in, day out, your transition from high school to college and college to the pros, most of it's physical, just from the talent level, 
that you see on a day-to-day basis from each level. You know, I think that was a big thing. And going against the talent we had in tier, you know, at Wisconsin, I played tackle to begin with, and we had some really good, you know, um, DNs and stuff. So, um, that was definitely the physical part, but it was, uh, it was tough. You know, that was the last year we were at the seminary and, um, staying in the, uh, in the kind of the dorm room like type thing. It was a, it was a tough transition. It was tough, but it kind of, it's a good thing, you know, kind of, you know, the adversity kind of makes you, and it's, if you go through tough times early on, it kind of makes you a better player later on. Who was your roommate in the seminary? Uh, Jamar Crane. Oh, okay. Jamar Crane. Yeah. I think, interesting uh, guy. Yeah, I don't think he lasted too long at Wisconsin. Yeah. I think he, uh, I think he was done after a year or two. With no doors on the toilets. No doors, yeah. The curtain. Yeah, that was interesting. It, yeah, but I would say the transition to to from like normal living to the seminary was oh, like yeah. part of anything. For Come sure. A new a new guy with all these dudes who like have been there and suffered through it. To me, that was torture. Yeah. Year. And having guys, I mean, you had a good group, but having guys like uh, Donovan Rayola. And Jason, I mean, they gave me crap every day. So it was kind of, you know, fish out of water for sure. When I, when I got there, I mean, it was like, it was in good fun, but it was definitely, uh, it was was a different experience. Well, what was the meeting room like when you, when you showed up? I mean, we, uh, we had a veteran group from what I remember. So I was, you know, I was basically just, you know, third string, fourth string type thing. So I was kind of just go out and do your thing. when you get the chance, you know, having Huber, Huber was a tough guy. I mean, you of all people know he was, uh, very, uh, persistent man. And, uh, he was a good set of lungs on him for sure. So, uh, it was one of those things you want to do your job every single play as perfect as you can. Cause if you didn't, you were going to hear about it. And, but I also kind of, like I said, it it builds character and it helps build you, you know, you want to be perfect on every single play. And, you know, Huber wasn't a guy that would allow you to not be perfect. So it's always a good thing to have. Was he the guy that recruited you too? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Him, Huber and, uh, I think it was just Huber actually. Yeah. I wasn't sure if there's anyone else with him, but yeah, he was a, he was the main guy. Yeah. What, what was Huber to like your career? Like, did he mold you? Did he, cause you know, like when I came in, I was a running, like I ran the ball. So I never blocked anybody. And when I got there, Craig, you're lucky you didn't see what I got there. I was absolutely the worst player. <laughs> I think they're like, get this kid out of here. No. What are you doing with him? Dude, I, I was in my stance turning around going, Coach White, who do I block on this play? And he's like, go block <laughs> Nick Grison. And Grison's in there laughing. Yeah. Know what's happening. I sucked. Um, but Coach White, to me, was that guy. Like, he molded me, like, got me to be, you know, who I was. Was that Huber? Was it somebody oh, else? Oh, for sure. No, it was definitely Huber. I mean, you know, we had a good group of older guys that were like mentors and stuff, like I said, like Donovan and, and Jason and Matt Lawrence, but Huber was a guy, like, A, you wanted to play well for him. You didn't want to mess up in front of him. You know, it was all those things. Like he was a good coach. He taught the fundamentals. Great. Uh, he drilled it, you know, in, in your brain. So it was a habit by the time camp was over and, you know, and it, he molded me, you know, he was the guy that, made me mentally strong more than anything. You know, you know, we had Herb and those guys in the weight room trying to get me strong physically, but um, it was, it was, it was Huber making me mentally strong. That's where I had to deal with him. My first two years kind of helped me out throughout my career, dealing with adversity, dealing with coaches that were hard on me. It's just like, they want you to be better. You know, they're yelling at you, but they want you to be better. So it's kind of one of those things you just take it, you know, take it in, take out the coaching in, and then try to go out and do better the next time. 
And then you had Bostad after him, right? Yeah, we actually had Huber my first two years, and then sophomore and junior year, we had uh, uh, Bob Halsick. Okay. He was there for two years, and then I had uh, Bostad my last year. What was Bostad like? Because... A, I think it's weird that he's coaching inside linebackers now. It doesn't seem right that him <laughs> yeah. of all people is coaching inside linebackers, but I guess it's working because the inside yeah. linebackers they have right They're now really are good. phenomenal. But what was what was Bosehead like? What was his personality like? How was he different than Huber? Well, it's funny. I mean, he was he was a very very similar type guy. Um, obviously younger, but it's funny. My sophomore junior years, he was he was coaching tight ends, and just the way he would just get after the tight ends. We'd be as an alignment, be like, hi, kind of like laughing about, haha, like, you know, just getting killed over there. And then all of a sudden, senior year, it's like, oh, he's your coach now. It's like, oh, like, sorry, sore. So, so it's like one of those things where it's like, my senior year, like, I, I, I like having Bob Powell as a coach. And in senior year, you see Bob come or uh, Coach Powell or um, Bosted come in, and you're like, like, what are we in for? Whatever. And having him my senior year, I wish I had him all four years. Like he was a phenomenal coach. The things he taught us, you know, getting us repped, you know, we had, you know, if we had an inside drill, we had instead of 10 reps, we have like 25 reps just to get every, Oh, it was tough, but it was getting us looked. And, you know, we led the big 10 in rushing that year. And it's kind of one of those things. It's like, he's a great coach. I loved having him as a coach and, you know, I thanked him every time I could. And he's, I, I'm glad he's found a niche as an inside linebackers coach. Cause there's no, there's no surprise that, inside linebackers are having success because he's such a good coach that he's going to get them right no matter what you know it's one of those things like he can coach receivers and we have amazing receivers well it's also no surprise that they are like they're the toughest unit on the team then too right for sure because oh yeah i, I would imagine that to. his because the tale about his personality is that he is about as hard-nosed as they come yeah oh yeah and you know so let's talk about how those guys like sort of prepared you for the nfl did you have similar similar sort of coaches in the nfl offensive line coaches when you got to the league or was that, was that a different vibe? It was different, you know, so they weren't as much yelling, you know, the people, the guys who were in the NFL are, you know, X's and O's getting your job done. Cause obviously, you know, in the NFL, if you're not getting your job done, you're gone, you know, it could be a week, could be two weeks, could be a year. Whereas college, they have five years to mold you into the player you are. Where like the NFL, it's like, you're either ready now or they get rid of you. And that's kind of one of those things, um, you know, being in Wisconsin, being in that offense, that type of offense prepared me immensely for the NFL. It's just kind of the stuff that they run in the NFL. And you see a lot of the teams now, they're running the, the spread and different kinds of offenses. You see, especially the linemen are just not ready for the NFL. They just, you know, there were some times we had some rookies on some of the teams I was with. And, you know, they only knew full slide protection or like gap down for run game. And they get in the NFL and all of a sudden their head spinning. They don't know how to protect. They don't know how to do any of these other different run blocks and stuff. And, you know, having those coaches at, at, with the Badgers were huge for me for my transition to the NFL. That makes a lot of sense, actually. Um, well, one, from my experience, dude, we just ran power, as you said before. Yeah. It's a little bit different. <laughs> Not so much for fullbacks for the NFL, yeah. <laughs> I mean, fullbacks to the NFL, that's pretty much the same. It's like, go hit a linebacker. Um, but what was it like, like draft day? Let's go to draft day. Because I sat through all seven rounds and drank Coors Light, and then yeah. eventually nothing happened. And I was like, eh, okay, I guess this dream's killed. But what was it like for you? You knew it was going to happen. 
Like, what was that transition? What was that experience like? Not so much a transition. So that was uh, that was the year where on I think Saturday it was Friday, Saturday, Saturday, Sunday, Saturday, um, Sunday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, I, I, had... I remember it well because I used to just be the absolute <laughs> biggest draft junkie ever. Yeah, and so like I remember when they switched it from one day to two days, two days to now three days. Now they just have the first round on Thursday, the second and third round on Friday, and then rounds four through seven on Saturday. So Yeah. And so Saturday was the first two rounds, and my agent was saying, like, you might be, you know, mid to late second to third or fourth. And so um, I had, like, 10 of my buddies went golfing that, that day, not expecting really anything, um, came and went, you know, is what it is. Woke up that next morning. I think that was they had three through seven. And so they had, they started like 9 a.m. So I woke up, had breakfast, whatever, like sat down on my couch with, you know, some coffee and a bagel or something like that. And like 20 minutes later, I got a call from, you know, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And it's kind of one of those things like, oh, it's, you know, Mike Tomlin on the phone asking, you know, if I want to be a Steeler. And like my parents were upstairs eating breakfast and stuff. It wasn't like weird. <laughs> it's kind of just like a nonchalant type morning. It was kind of funny. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, I'm a, you know, third round pick for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Well, one, congratulations. <laughs> that was fun. That's so cool. Um, so wait, are you like a week later you're in Pittsburgh? Yeah, I think it was like five or yeah, like five or six days later, I was flying out to Pittsburgh with big uh, suitcase and was out there for the rest of the summer. Man, that's great. And then so what was it like playing in the NFL? It was it was, you know, different, obviously, the speed. My rookie year did not go like I wanted, you know, it was one of those things I get there and I'm going against number one ranked defense for the past five years in the NFL. I mean, it was the guys they had on the talent level they had and the schemes. I was just kind of, I was in over my head for a while and didn't have the rookie year I wanted. Um, and then obviously second camp, I was there, um, play, I was played well enough to where when they cut me after my second camp, there were about six or seven teams that claimed me and Buffalo bills were one of them. So Kind of one of those things that's like you get cut, you know, a year and a half in your in your uh career. It's like, you know, do am I do I have it for the NFL? Am I gonna make it? And I get to the Bills and one of those things that like we love you, you know, just kind of start, you know, playing garden center as a backup for us. And thank God I had a great coach, Joe uh, Joe D with the Buffalo Bills. He he got me ready. You know, I was just playing primarily guard. And then um he got me he's like, you're gonna play center too. I'm like, I've never played center before. He's like, well, you're gonna play it. And so, you know, two, two, three weeks into my second year with the, or my second year in the NFL, first year at the Bills, um, I'm, you know, the backup center and guard stressing for game days. And then um, weird enough is we had a guy go down and my first start was versus Steelers that year. So 2010, um, first start was at versus Steelers at home with the Bills. And, uh, you know, we had a chance to win it. Uh, receiver dropped it. He will remain lameless. Dropped it in the end zone. Uh, we punt, and then they uh, go on the field and score. So they won. But what a nice! I had a little redemption. But it was uh, it was it was kind of nice to have that first game. Played well. Um, played a few more games that year, and then in 2011 started having uh, you know, they're like, hey, you're starting our starting guard from here on out, and started 11, 12, 13, and then. 14, 15, 16 was kind of more of a backup type guy with a bunch of starts. So it was, it was fun. You know, I had Buffalo was awesome. I had a great time in Buffalo. Met a lot of my longtime friends, uh, Eric Wood, uh, Garrison Sanborn, Scott Chandler, who actually played at Iowa. Um, and then Miami was fun too. I loved it. You know, you know, coaching for Coach Gates, living down there. You know, we're, you know, it was my uh, eighth year 
my first year down in Miami, we're kind of like, you know, let's, let's live somewhere cool. Let's enjoy it. We had a kid. So, we, you know, we lived kind of like towards the beach, enjoy it and everything. And, um, ended up starting like eight games from that year. Cause, uh, injuries and we went to the playoffs for the first time. So it's kind of funny. My eighth year in the NFL, first time we went to the playoffs, it's show kind of shows how hard sometimes it is to, to make it up there. Well, I, I, know, oh, I was going to say, I'll sit this one out and let Maddie P ask you. Like, <laughs> okay. questions. So I grew up a couple miles from St. John Fisher college. Yeah. Where you guys, which had is camp. The, the best camp training camp bar none. It is the best training camp. Their facilities, the fields, the, everything was awesome. I mean, their cafeteria there was insane. It's, <laughs> it's not, not oh, it was, it was insane. <laughs> That's fantastic. Okay. So toughest dude for you to block in the NFL, whether it was a Buffalo bill or a non bill. So, I mean, people are gonna love this, but JJ Watt. I mean, that I makes sense. I went against him a couple times. The first time was, I think, 2012 or 13. And that's when he was like his second year, he's finding his groove. His, I think the year I went against him, he was the defensive player of the year. And he got, he got a sack on me for sure. Um, but I thought I held my own pretty good. But I mean, he was just the moves, the motor, everything. It was just unbelievable. I, I've gone against you know him. Jerry McCoy was amazing. Aaron Donald in 16 was amazing. Like I've gone against so many good players. It's amazing to see, you know, the talent level has increased in the NFL these years. Biggest physical freak that you played with or played against. Matt well, besides Matt, <laughs> obviously just, <laughs> just a Greek God over there. I mean, he's just chiseled physical freak. I'd say uh Calais Campbell. Oh, and the guy, He's like six, eight. I mean, he's just a monster. He's still playing. Yeah. You know, we played him like early, like 2011, 2012. I mean, he's just a freak. And he's, and he's just, got like an eight pack at six foot eight. Yeah. And he's it's not ridiculous. He's not a fat guy. He's super quick, super fast. Got a high motor. He's just, he's unbelievable. Favorite place to eat wings in Buffalo. Ooh, uh, I think say barbell. So barbell and dandelions, dandelions is this kind of hole in the wall bar. And they had amazing, amazing wings. I'm glad you didn't say Anchor Bar. Everyone says Anchor Bar, anchor and bar, it's, no. it's 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 fine, but it's not. No, no. It's, I went with my week, first weekend up there. My then girlfriend, now wife, um, visited me the one weekend, and we went to Anchor Bar to look the, the original spot. It was just kind of like mass-produced wings. It's like it's all right. We ended up finding, you know, being there for a few weeks, finding the good spots. Yeah, Dandelions is a great call. Really, Dandelions is absolutely a great call. Yeah. So, favorite memory as a Buffalo Bill. Favorite memory, I'd say we had a lot of good memories, a lot of good games. Um, I'd say two. So the one we were playing at home, a second game of the year, or third game of the year, we're playing the Baltimore Ravens. And up until our game, they were only giving up like 40 yards on the ground. You know, everyone was picking us to lose, you know, blowout, whatever. We ended up winning and we ended up running for like, rushing for like 250 yards, just like old school power football. It was awesome. They had Suggs, they had Holodi Nada, they had all these big time players, and we still ran for 250. That was special. That was fun. Now was that was that now was Marshawn still on the team then, or was that no, no, no? Marshawn was gone. I think five or six weeks into my first year there in 2010. But that was was that that Shady McCoy or Fred Jackson? That was Fred Jackson, Fred Jackson, and CJ Spiller. Oh, CJ, that's right, man. He was so fast. He was. Oh yeah, he was fast. And then uh, I said the other memory was uh, my last year with 
the Bills. We went to London. That was a fun, cool experience flying over there. We stayed a whole week. We, we played Cincinnati, lost. And then like four hours later, we all boarded the flight and spent the entire week there. And staying in London, um, they gave us Monday and or, uh, Sunday, Monday and Tuesday off, which was, I don't know why they did that. <laughs> <laughs> so we went out, had dinners and drinks and stuff. It was fun. Um, and then played in the game. We lost that one too, but it was one of those things we just had, you know, a couple of pick sixes, like a return, or a fumble return for a touchdown. Like we should have won that game handily and we ended up losing, but that whole experience playing over there and touring London and stuff, that was fun. Okay. Now we can head back to Wisconsin. I had to get my bill yeah. stuff out of the way because that's just like, I, you know, anyone who's, who's Let me ask a Jets in- question. <laughs> yeah. Let me ask Greg, was it just easy to play against the Jets? No, we, uh, <laughs> early on the, early on the career, I was when Rex was the, was the D coordinator and he was uh, my head coach with the bills, but they had, I mean, their defense was just insane. They had, there were three years in a row where they had like first round picks in D line. So they were just stacked. So there was, they were one of the teams where I think we were like, I was like five and four versus them or like four and five or something like that versus them with the bills. Was um, Bart Scott on that team? Bart Scott. Was- I mean, they had David Harris from Michigan, Bart Scott, they had uh, Muhammad Wilkerson, yeah. all these, they had all these first round picks. They had Dar- Darrell Rivas. They had, I mean, they had an unbelievable defense. And so going us was like, like crap. Like even though even though our offense wasn't that good, we would still lose like seventeen to ten or whatever because we just we couldn't score because our defense was so good. Um, but uh, yeah, that was uh, those were always interesting games. So you played for Rex. What is, what's your best Rex Ryan story? Because I hear things I've heard about the Rexican diet. Like what what <laughs> what is your best Rex Ryan story? Honestly, I don't really have one. You know, he was. I didn't interact too much with him. He was just a good, I liked him as a coach. He was a player's coach. He would get us ready and stuff like that. He was just, he's a goofball, but he's, uh, he's a really good coach. You know, I wonder if he's going to get back in the NFL or not, but I think he's kind of got a good gig right now at uh, um, ESPN. So Greg, what, we'll bring it back to Wisconsin. What do you think makes our linemen so successful when they get to, you know, it's been years we've had guys in the league. So it's not just coaching, although that's a piece. What do you think it is? I think it's a couple of things. I think it's it's the mentality you have to have to play football at Wisconsin. I think it's like the, the toughness, the, you know, the tradition that we've had. And I know it's like kind of dumb to say, but the tradition of our run game, like you want to be as an alignment, you want to be that next big lineman to help you know, with the back hitting 2000 yards, like you want to be part of that tradition. We've had so many guys go through there, you know, Chris McIntosh, all those guys that go through there. It's like, I want to be the next great lineman to come out of Wisconsin. It's kind of one of those things that it's, it's, you know, Alabama will have like their D backs and linebackers and stuff like that. Like Wisconsin, Notre Dame has like the line. Like you want to be the next best guy from there. And obviously you want to have success and, you know, we want to have, you know, AD and all those guys, Cal- Calhoun, we want to like, you know, we want them to have as many rushing yards as we can. It was one of those things in the system that helps out, you know, like I said before, being in the system and going to the NFL, you know, I had all these different runs I was accustomed to, all these different pass schemes you're accustomed to. But you look at spread teams now, um, when they send guys to the NFL, like I said before, young guys that will come in the league, they were like, I literally only did full slide protection or full gap down. It's all it was because all it was is that was getting rid of the ball within two seconds. And that didn't help them at all for their transition. Like they might've been good in college, but it doesn't help them 
in the NFL. You know, they just didn't know how to do those things where our system, our school got guys ready because of the scheme, the coaches, the tradition, all that stuff helped guys be, be better prepared for the NFL. Did you find a big scheme change when you went from Wisconsin to Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh to Buffalo, the Buffalo under, I mean, you had, you played for what, Chan Gailey and Doug Marone and Rex Ryan, right? Yeah. And so yeah. were there big scheme changes under any of those guys that were really tough to adjust to? Not really. It was more like technique stuff. You know, if the one coach had you doing certain things on a zone block, you know, the next coach might have you do it like a tiny different way to kind of do it. And, um, there wasn't too many different scheme changes. The only weird, not weird, but like different one was we were more like 11 personnel, you know, one tight end, one running back with Chan and, um, more with, or a lot with Doug Marone, but with, um, Greg Roman with, uh, Shady McCoy with, with the bills when Rex got there, that was a lot of like, he would use a lot of like the Wisconsin, like the two tight ends, you know, tight end fullback running back, stuff like that. He would use a lot of that stuff. And I mean, you see it with Baltimore now, but we had a dynamic running attack with Greg Roman. So that was a bigger change, but I was accustomed to that from Wisconsin. It didn't, didn't uh, blow me away at all. Like I got it really quick. That system as an offensive lineman seems like it would be fun to play. In. It's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. A lot of run game, a lot of play action, all that stuff. Um, and when you have to, you throw it. It's, it's, you use a great where you see a lot of these teams. Now it's like, you know, you're throwing 80% of the time. It's just like, geez, like <laughs> give me a run play here or there, you know? <laughs> Yeah, because it feels like you know in pass protection, it's just like it, it's a no-win situation. It's either a stalemate or a loss. Whereas when you get in the run game, you can get some pancakes, you can get yeah. to the second level. You know, you can eat on some smaller players, especially if you get up to the safeties. Like it would, for me as an offensive lineman, it would feel like that would be a lot just more fun and interesting, and also like mentally stimulating. It's a lot more fun, a lot more stimulating. Like you said, you know, you beat up on the on the D line a little bit more. So later on, when you, if you do need to pass. They're a little bit slower. Um, but yeah, when you get some of these teams, when they start passing all the time, it's like a track me out there. And when some of these guys now at three technique, like Chris Jones, those guys, they're like, you know, 300 pounds running four, six. It's like, good luck. Like have fun. Like I'm <laughs> glad I got out of a good time for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so Craig, as we move towards like, okay, what I know, what are you doing now, by the way, let's get into that. So I was coaching high school football for, so I was basically hurt myself, um, hurt my knee for the last time in 17, retired, whatever, um, 18 or 19 and 20, I started coaching high school football locally here from like a powerhouse, Pine Richlands, a really good team. And then now I am, um, I'm volunteer helping out with Pitt. Um, the D line coach here at Pitt is, um, Charlie Partridge. He was with at Wisconsin my senior year. And so I'm just like, Hey, like you know, text him maybe in the spring. Hey, you know, I'm interested in getting, getting into college. What do you think? And he's like, well, we don't have any open positions now, but I would love that for you to help out with some stuff. And I said, yeah, great. And been helping out since August, um, going to game days, helping out with, with Charlie and stuff. I'm not doing any actually direct coaching to the players or anything, but I'm just helping out the coaches a little bit with some, uh, some scouting stuff and just some analytic type stuff. How good is Kalijah Kansi? He's really good. We have a really good D line. You know, yeah. we Pitt always has a great D line. Yeah. And that's, that's big parts because of Charlie. You know, Charlie's a great coach and being around him on a day to day basis, you see what he does in individual work and everything. He gets them ready. He gets their technique sound. It's funny. Like my first couple of weeks with Pitt, um, we have some injuries with the O line, but we had like 
I think 12 O linemen, 13 or 14 or whatever for, for camp, their D line had like 22. And so you see like their individual, it's like half the team is over at the D line and he's just rolling through, you know, going through all these drills and stuff and getting them all ready. And, and we have the best, I think we have the best two deep in college football. I mean, we have, we have guys who are on our second string type thing that are, would be starting anywhere else. You know, we've a lot of really good players and it's a credit to the player and a credit to uh, Charlie. Now, Craig, is, is it because, is it because of Charlie and because of the program that, that those second string guys stay at Pitt? I think so. Yeah, I think so. And, and the way he does it, you know, he rotates so many guys, you know, you might be a second string guy, but you might get, you know, 10 less reps in the start, you know, so you're, okay. you might be a second, you know, that the starter is getting, you know, 50 reps a game, the backup might get 35, you know, so they, he, they threw roll through a lot. They, a lot of different packages, stuff like that. And it's, I think the guys have fun with it. And like I said, you know, we've had some success this year and they've been playing well. Cause only cause the transfer portal to me is, is like a bananas. It's crazy. Wild West. Yeah. It's crazy. I don't, I mean, it's unfortunate because, you know, people think it's a good idea and it probably is for some, for some point, but you know, how many guys who are freshmen and sophomore who are expecting me starting are going to transfer now instead of staying, sticking out and developing, you know, you know, how many guys, you know, how many guys at Wisconsin do we have not play until their junior, senior year? You know, like look, like look at Mark Tauscher. Mark Tauscher didn't play until he was his senior year. Like nowadays, would he have transferred to like a different school and try to play there? You know, it's like one of those things that's like, it kind of allows guys to not develop. It kind of allows guys not to stick with it or stick with the team. Obviously, there's some certain situations where it's like, you might be on a different page than the coach. It's like, all right, then go ahead, leave, go somewhere else. But, you know, if it's one of those things, it's like, I'm not getting playing time when I'm a freshman, I'm going to leave. It's like, that kind of where it's, that's kind of where I don't agree with it. Well, especially if you look at a guy like Bill Nagy, right? Because he was someone like who barely even started at Wisconsin, yet he yeah. still made it to the league. And he was starting as a rookie for the Cowboys, I remember. Yeah, yeah after sure. being like this, After being like a, like a swing tackle, swing guard, backup for Wisconsin, which a obviously speaks to Wisconsin's ability to develop offensive linemen, but also speaks to, you know, someone, you know, sticking out and developing and then sure. being able to take that next step. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, you know, Bill's a perfect example. Bill's a very good player. Um, you know, we had me and he was behind me and Andy for a while. And then um, I think his senior year, he got hurt a little bit. So it's one of those things where it's just, like you said, you don't develop if you start, if you transfer all over the place. I remember one of the guys, the old line we played against this year. Um, I'm not going to say his name or what team he played for, but he transferred seven different times. You know, it's like, uh, how are you going to develop? How are you going to like grow as a player? If you're going to seven different coaches, seven different systems, it's just, and it also shows that you're, you know, not willing to stick it out and, and work for it. So it's, it's, it's interesting for sure. I mean, it's, it's also gotta be hard academically. Yeah. I, my thing about the transfer portal is I feel like when they created it, it was for a good purpose for sure. Get the people who don't fit or don't feel like, let's just take Madison. Like they don't fit in Madison. They don't fit in the academia. They don't fit in the program and they just don't want to be there. It's, it's like not, they're going backwards instead of forward. For sure. That is what the transfer portal was supposed to be for. Absolutely. Now it has evolved into, well, maybe I'll get paid somewhere else or maybe yeah. I'll, I could start somewhere else. So it's just nice to hear that you have a two deep and 22 guys that want to be on the team and rotate. And you know, like what does, does it become a high school sport where you have 10 guys rotating in, 
just like the Badgers O-line because maybe you want to try to keep these guys. So yeah, I, for sure. I don't know. I, I, I like it. I like that it helps some people, but like, is that 10% out of a hundred? Like, is that 15%? I, I don't know where, where that lies, but it's, it's made football. It's made college football, the NFL in my sure. NIL has. It also makes it like, it also affects you as coaching. Cause if you may, maybe you have like a five-star kid, you're developing like a guard and say he's a freshman and he's not starting yet. It's like, well, if he starts getting unhappy, do you, start him in there to keep knowing he's going to be a good player for you, but he's not right yet right now. Do you keep him on your team or start him knowing that he's not good enough as a senior now, but he will be. So you want to keep him happy and keep him on your team. So it's like, it affects your team a little bit too. You know, you don't want to lose a, you know, a five-star or four-star recruit because of that. So it's like, it affects it too. So. Yeah, it, exactly. It, and it also, it also makes like, if it also, I would imagine as a player, it disincentivizes you to, stick it out because it's like, oh, well, they're just going to bring someone else in from the portal to either, you know, take my place if I'm if I'm not ready at this moment. Yeah, for sure. And then but also you see some teams like, you know, you know, Alabama, who has consistently five star recruits on like the D line. So if you're like, you know, in the in the in the three deep, all of a sudden they get another five star D tackle. It's like, well, am I going to ever play here or not? So I understand that. Or like a quarterback who was, you know, he's going to start his senior year and they bring in some five-star re- recruit and they're going to start him up. So it's like, I understand it's some for some things, but also don't like how it could, can be used to. What's funny. You just named Jack Cohn who <laughs> actually did very well against um, the Badgers over the weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he was a good player for the Badgers too. I mean, he was a good, he was player. A good player. I, you know, and they, but they recruited a five-star. He ended up getting hurt. Like we all know the story. Yeah. It's weird though. I always, a lot of people have talked to me about um, like what happens if he pulls uh, Graham Mertz and tries, you know, maybe there's a quarterback competition, maybe put somebody else in. Could he transfer? I mean, it's, yeah. very, it's, I don't know if it's likely or not. I don't know Graham Mertz at all. I'm just, I just think as they, as we evolve in this new era, could that be potentially what happens to the Badgers? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you have, yeah. I mean, it's definitely a thing. And, you know, our Jack Cohn was a good player for us and you don't want to see those guys leave. And, but again, it's like, you know, when he gets hurt and you have their, your, your prize recruit going and start playing and he had playing well in, you know, beginnings, kind of one of the things you're going to stick with him. So I understand the whole situation, you know, it's kind of, it's good to see Jack find a spot and find a home at, at Notre Dame for sure. And you want to see him as have as much success as you can. I was going to say, be successful. I'm yeah. not against the Badgers, but against every other team, I'm completely yeah, fine. Not, yeah, unfortunately, we're <laughs> though. Right, right. Um. <laughs> so one of the things that both Matt and I have noticed about the Badger team this year is that they are rotating in a lot of different offensive linemen. They're playing nine offensive linemen with the first team. And... I'm curious as a former offensive lineman, what your thoughts on that are. Do you think it's important to have like a starting five that is out there all the time that is gelled together? Or is that rotation good to, I don't know, keep guys fresh or something like that? Yeah, I haven't, uh, because I'm with Pitt right now, I've been at the games and stuff. I haven't been watching as much. I've been watching the highlights and stuff. But, you know, first of all, Rudy, coach Joe Rudolph is probably one of the best O-line coaches in the nation. You know, he gets more of his players than any other coach. He does a great job. 
Um, but I didn't see that they're rotating or anything, but I, I guess that will probably be, like you said, keep them fresh. Um, maybe guys do some things differently than, or better than other guys. So maybe he just wants, if they want to pass more or run more or this or that. So it's definitely a different strategy. I haven't seen it in a while, but um, you know, I, you know, Joe's Joe knows what is best for his line for sure. Yeah. And I guess, I, I guess my, my second question on that is, you know, we, we often see that with, you know, especially I think feel like tackles and guards will rotate more, but we've seen center rotations a lot. And we've also seen some issues with snaps, right? We've had a bunch of different you know, fumble, either fumbled snaps, miscommunication between center and quarterback. And do you think that, you know, do you feel like there is a position that, that, that at the center position is, you know, tougher to rotate with because you need to have that, uh, that chemistry with the quarterback? Yeah, for sure. You need to have chemistry. I played, I started a bunch of games at center in the NFL and you need to have chemistry with that, with that quarterback. You need to be on the same page communication wise, snap count wise, like even like when a quarterback goes to change a play, you need to be able to have, you know, be able to tell the center like, Hey, you know, pause for a second while I change a play. And if they're not used to each other, he might snap it before, you know, he realizes what's going on. So center is definitely one of those positions. You definitely want to have the rapport with the, with the quarterback. Craig, when, when you, in your experience, starting 10 games as a, let's say a freshman or a rookie, is that enough time to figure out speed, physicality, mental? In the NFL or just in general? Well, I mean, I'm talking like, you know, these guys have played when you came in, what was your, like when you started, when you started to start, how many games did you get or how many games did you need to really like figure things out? Yeah, that's uh, it was it was probably about half the season, but it also depends on on the competition too. You know, in my our first few games we played Bowling Green, Temple, at North Carolina. So you know, when you're going against better players and you're not used to that, you know, the first couple of games I was completely fine, played well, and in North Carolina I had a good DN, didn't really mm-hmm. struggle, but it was tougher for me, and then. It really was, you know, halfway, almost toward the end of the season when I played, we played at Penn State and played Tamba Hali, where it's like, that was my oh crap moment. Like, this guy's really, really good. And I'm not there yet. So it was one of those things where it's like, it depends. If you're going against, you know, tough competition day in and day out, it, it'll take you a little while for sure. But I mean, it's tough to say every guy's different, but it's tough to say if it's, you know, five games, 10 games, 15 games. You know, it's kind of one of those things that's, it's, it's different for every guy. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm just trying to think like, did I stink when I first went in? I have no idea. I remember Huber yelling at me a lot, but I don't remember him not yelling at me. Well, that's not like, you know, know, in that Penn state game where I hurdled that dude, the camera kind of pans to him and he's just kind of sitting there, you know, like all gruff. And he, I think he did like one of these, like a (laughs) like a little smirk smile yeah like well i made this guy happy and that's really all that kind of matters first of all that was probably one of the funnest games at camp randall because that was you were the running back weren't you on a holiday so you just got an iv like so you didn't even eat basically right yep so it was like a couple hours before the game you got thank god it was a night game because we were down ad booker we were down booker we were down ad Dwayne the year before couldn't play because it's hard um, Jameel Walker got hurt. And yeah, I think so it was, Prez got moved to fullback. Yeah, it was, so it was literally just you. 
And I think I was a night game. If it was a one o'clock game, we would have had, we would have had nobody. <laughs> I would have, I didn't even like, know who you guys would have had. Even like Luke Swan uh, playing running back. Or something like that. <laughs> but that was one of the funnest games. Seriously. Like when you were, when you hurl that guy, Oh my God, that was, <laughs> that it was, was a good a, time. <laughs> and our DNs were just killing their quarterbacks and tackles. That was, that was a fun game. It was a fun game. It, 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 we should have scored way more, but yeah. inexperience. Well, I had to deal with if it. If you were faster, you could have probably broken away. <laughs> That's, you know what? Sadly, it's probably true. <laughs> uh, I, I should have been fasting way more throughout my career. Um, well, you brought up you brought up those guys. Like, what was the plan? What was it like to learn and play from guys like so Joe Thomas and Donovan Rail are completely different players. Yeah. So I guess like, what was it like to learn from both of those guys? Dan Benning was on that team, Clink scale. Yeah. Like, did you take bits and pieces from like, they all had a different, I guess, I don't want to say skill set, but a set of like their mental was all different. You know, Joe was probably the best technician I think I've ever seen athletic, but like you had like Dan Benning and um, Clink scale, like the most physical what was it like? What was it like learning? And what'd you take from each of these guys? Yeah. I mean, they were so much older than me. So I was only with them for a year. Obviously Joe was with for three years or, or so, but you know, those guys, just the way they played day in and day out in practice, you know, how physical they played, you know, just the film study, all, you know, knowing what to do every single play, um, everything I learned from them in that one year I was with them. But then like with Joe being there for three years with him, just how we went about his daily, you know, his routines, how he prepared all his different drills he did for, um, for past sets and all this different stuff, you know, just learn how to go about the game. It's not something where you just, you know, you, you know, do the punch card and go to practice and, and, you know, check out afterwards. It's like, there's more to it than just on the field. There's all the stuff outside of the game, the film study recovery, all that stuff that you kind of learn that you start to get in a routine, start having a little bit of success. And so you, you, you probably, I mean, obviously when you were there, your first year on campus, you're running scout team. What was it like going up against like Antaj and JJ and Welsh and Erasmus? Cause that was one heck of a defensive line. That was tough, but you know, some of the, you know, some of those things it's, you're going against these guys who are all American, you know, Erasmus was first round pick. Uh, Jonathan Welsh was, you know, I think it was like fifth or sixth round pick Antaj, all those guys. Um, it makes you, it's makes you hard. You know, it's like one of those things where it's like, you're this, blob of a 18 year old kid and all of a sudden you're going against these 22 23 year old you know grown men that are amazing and it makes you good i mean you're gonna struggle with it right away but you start going all right this works this doesn't work this you know he does this you start kind of learning from it and that's where that's good that's what got me prepared to play tackle my retro freshman year was going against those guys day in and day out and that's kind of what made you know made me you know a better player for sure dude so what I know we're, we, we're running out a little bit of time. Um, what were some of like the unique O-line traditions off the field that you guys did at Wisconsin? <laughs> um, I probably couldn't say a couple of things off the field, but um, during, <laughs> <That's fine. laughs> I like the, uh, during practice, we played the helmet game on, I think it was Thursday, Thursday or Friday. We play the helmet game. You get a partner and you got to, you know, you line up 15 yards apart and have your helmets on the ground. You try to hit the ball with your, with, or the helmet with the ball. And the other one was, I love doing, I don't know why they don't do it anymore. They stopped doing it after a while. The freshmen, the run up the stadium, you know, like how they had to run the lower bowl, whoever raced got a prize or like didn't get whatever. And so I, apparently the year before I was there, it was all those five, five of those guys, I guess Joe won every single year or every single week. 
um, I was alone. So I just had to do it as fast as I could. And then uh, it was funny <laughs> seeing uh, my second year there, we had uh, Van Hoovel and Andy Kemp and I think a walk on or two. It was, that was a fun tradition to have on, on Thursdays and Fridays. Did you guys, did you, I remember something like you guys used to go like have the early lift on Fridays off season and then oh, all. Um, yeah. That, so that was the other thing is we, Friday mornings during the, during the summer, Friday mornings, it was 6am lift. That was the hardest lift you could possibly do. I mean, it broke you <laughs> and it was two hours, just pure hell. And you'd be you, for a half hour after the lift, you'd be on the floor in the weight room or whatever, just like lying there, just like dead. And so we go afterwards, you know, hour, hour or so afterwards, we go to Mickey's dairy bar and get that scrambler, that just heap of potatoes and eggs and cheese and all that stuff. And I used to get it with a gravy on the side until Joe was like, you have to do gravy. Joe Thomas said, you have to do gravy <laughs> on, have to do it. So you poured the gravy on, it was the best thing. So it's funny as why I'm fat now. It's like, you probably burn a thousand calories during a workout and then eat 3000 calories right afterwards yep. <laughs> the worst thing for you. But it was, it was a fun tradition. We go there and then we have the weekend off and whatnot. So what, what was Mickey's? What did they, they're like, Oh my God. No. Oh yeah. They, yeah. We'd have like 20 of us big guys come in. There'd be like this old couple sitting in the booth and we'd be like, <laughs> kind of like button up against them, kind of eating, just being loud and eating our scramblers and stuff. They're probably just trying to have a, a nice little, like, wheat toast and a couple eggs and have this rowdy group come in. It was, it was always fun, but they appreciate it. Cause we, you know, we ate our faces off in there. And the milkshakes. And a milkshake. milkshake. Yeah. Oh, the milkshakes. Is that place so still there? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Did they just build around it? It just could be like yeah. that. Uh, awesome. They built a hotel or, or apartment building on the opposite corner. Is that your favorite place to eat in Madison? In Madison? I don't know. They had some good, had some good places. We didn't I mean all of our food was like takeout, you know, yeah. it's like, it wasn't like, I never really appreciated now. Like when I go back now, there's this place, um, right on the Capitol, a pizza joint called Lucille's. Right by the Capitol, they have awesome homemade pizzas and really good beer lists. So I always, I always go there whenever we go back. But I think when I was there in Chipotle, they had a bunch of like different, you know, fast food type stuff. Um, yeah. yeah, Buffalo Wild Wings, <laughs> going to um, State Street Brats, all that stuff. Like we we always kind of venture out a little bit, but I used everything to, fancy. I used to cook at the Nitty Gritty. And, oh really? Yeah, and so there were there there were times there where that was the worst job in the world. Um, but there were also but you know, I also got to a I know the secret gritty sauce recipe. Um, oh, you need to send me that for sure. Yeah, I will. It's it's, it's it's simpler than you would think. Um, sure. but, uh, on, on top of that, there, there would be times where guys would come in and they would tell us that, you know, that, you know, 10, 15 of, you know, either football players, basketball players were, were, were coming in and I knew I was going to have to make like 60 or 70 burgers. Yeah. Like, it was just absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. But it was a place on campus that had, it was like Wednesday nights. It was like bottomless wings. Brothers. Brothers. Brothers yeah. It was 10 cent wings. 10 cent wings. Can you imagine how many wings they had to go through that night i would get a hundred i get a, easily i mean they were small yeah. but <laughs> they were small but a hundred wings were delicious i mean it was but if the, the thing is the line was out all the way out the door the, oh it was obscene so i don't know the wing guy yeah i remember a couple of times we went in there you're sitting there and you're like 
shoulder to shoulder with someone just eating wings and having a beer. And it's just like, <laughs> there's no room. So they're trying to pack as many people in there as they can. What was your favorite? What was your favorite FAC spot? We didn't go to FAC that much. We just weren't allowed. Well, not not during season. You probably couldn't. No, no. I mean, off season. Off season. um, There was this place. It's not there anymore. It used to be like an old, like it had like a patio, like a little sandwich shop, kind of off the beaten path. It wasn't. It was off State Street. It was kind of right across from uh, you know that liquor store. It's, It's this is the worst description ever. But it, it it was like three different things when I was there. But they had a pretty good FAC. They had beers, a patio, and everything. Like when I know, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, I forgot what it's called. I I know exactly what you're talking about, and I, I can I can picture the liquor store. I used to throw cases there. Um, but okay, so I I do know exactly what you're talking about, and now the name is also escaping me. This is great audio content. Um, <laughs> so how often do you get back to Madison? I try to go as much as I can. Um, I was just back there in June uh, for the golf outing, the Legends Golf Outing. I love going back and, you know, seeing guys like Matt and everything. And, you know, I think going back to that has kept me, actually got me closer to like guys like Matt than I ever was at Wisconsin because, you know, we keep in touch, text all the time. Um, but want to get back there a little bit more, but not a little with Pitt. Like I was, I was planning on going back for a bunch of games with my kids. I have two kids um, this year, but obviously now with, with Pitt, I can't make it out for game days. So, um, and our bye week is next week, but we play at Purdue. Wisconsin plays at Purdue, so it's like I must like a drive there and go see them uh, beat up on Purdue. But yeah, but who um, wants to drive out through all those cornfields? Like seriously, exactly. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> so, so it's Barry Alvarez celebration weekend. So we're gonna get you out in here. Favorite Barry Alvarez memory? Barry Barry, uh, I'd say my the Capital One Bowl. Um, game. I read your freshman year. It was his last, supposed to be his last game. Obviously, he's coached a couple more games since then, but supposed to be his last game to go out and give him a victory against a team that everyone thought we were going to lose to. Arkansas, um, right? Uh, yeah. That was Auburn. Oh, that was Auburn. Okay. Uh, next, the next Arkansas was a year after. Yeah. Year after, yeah. But Auburn, you know, we're supposed to lose to them and uh, to go out and give him that victory and how happy he was after the game and everything. That was, that was a pretty special uh, moment. That and then uh, the Michigan game at home. That uh, my stock of the, the, the stock of yeah, yeah, or the draw, was, I guess it was a draw, yeah, yeah, that was a special moment for sure. I was in the house for both the Penn State game and that that Stocko draw game was absurd. I, I was sitting with one of my friends who went to, to Michigan and came into town for the game, and I mean, we we're in the middle of student section for that. And everyone just turns and points and start laughing at him and like clapping in his <laughs> face. It was so great. Student the best. There's that meme. Didn't we play uh, Michigan at home a couple years ago? And it was like that one student section, like in the front row, just like he's like from Michigan, just like <laughs> just down. down, just like miserable because we're picking the crap out of him. That's and I fun. hope it continues. Hundred percent. Need to eliminate the uh, turnovers for sure. And that's the one thing that's yeah. been. You know, the, the turnover has been the biggest thing. You know, it's need to eliminate that. And, uh, you know, our defense playing lights out. So, we need to continue to do that. And we need to start finding a rhythm on offense for sure. I mean, Greg, do you, do you think, just my last question, we just got to start running the ball as much as possible. Yeah. But, again, with that, you know, if you are running it successfully, open up the play action and all the other stuff. But um, they just need to find their rhythm. You know, it's, they need to have sustained drives. It can't be turned the ball over inside the inside the the red zone stuff like that and 
I think they're going to find a rhythm. I think they're going to, you know, coach Chris is one of the best coaches I've ever had, you know, and he's going to get him right for sure. See, that's what I would agree. I do we, I know we only have like one more minute, but it's just the offense is, is so vanilla to me. I, I, and he's such a creative guy. It's just so, I don't know. I'm, I'm very confused off of just what I'm seeing on offense. Listen, we're coming from like the coach white era. That's power, right? Power left. Yeah. And then it was like, okay, let's throw to Lee Evans. Like he's a genius because he did those things. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. I, I don't want to get on a, a rant here, but I think he can get him right. I just want to see him open the, open the playbook up. For sure. Yeah. And I, I haven't, like I said, I haven't been watching as much, but you know, I think like you said, if, if that what you saw then you know, definitely need to see a little bit more of them. I got to see this guy do some push-ups. <laughs> he's my guy. He's getting frail. See him do like forty push-ups. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yo, he Greg, got a couple in so against, much, against Eastern Michigan. He got a couple in there, but For not sure, enough yeah. though. Not enough. Not, not enough. enough. Not enough. Definitely not, not enough. enough. All right, Craig. Well, listen. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. Good luck with coaching the Panthers. Maybe we'll meet you guys in a bowl game. That would be, be nice. uh, that would be fun. I would love to see. Uh, you know, I, I mean. Kenny Pickett's playing out of his mind this yeah. year. He's putting up some ridiculous stats. He's like top five in the country in passing, I think. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that, he's playing that, really well. Yeah, that that'll be a lot of fun. Um, and thanks for you know sharing your memories, and we really appreciate it. And uh, until next time, on Wisconsin. On Wisconsin. Thanks for having me on on Wisconsin. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.